DJ Poppy, semi in the MC Drape tech on the beat, let's go, y'all Northwest and let's go, check it out, y'all Hey, hey, I said Nathan Graber Lippin' man, aka NGL His show is the truth, like NGL That means he's not gonna lie And he's clever when he speaks Plus he runs unplugged as the editor-in-chief Special guests on this show have gotten exposure Discuss the sports, music, and popular culture Streetwear, and don't forget the entrepreneurs Cause when it comes to interviewers, man, this dude is the future Always keeping it current with the old and with the new Make sure you tune into the GL Review Welcome back to the GL Review I'm Nathan Graber-Lipperman CEO of Powder Blue Media Our multimedia startup run out of Northwestern's The Garage Also, creator and editor-in-chief of Unplugged that second title might be changing soon in the near future. More details on that coming soon. Also, that new intro for the podcast. That's just some fire from Sam I Am, the MC, the Chicago freestyle rapping legend. I interviewed Sam way back when for a project we're working on that's in the works. More details coming this summer on that. Um, and yeah, just kept up with him, asked him if he wanted to record some themes for us he was like absolutely so you got that geo review theme also the hot take show theme some fire coming from episode two i'll get into that in a moment today though i'm bringing you another really cool guest of course it's someone i met it through the garage entrepreneurship classes it really seems like that's the way this thing's going nowadays i brought on dave wallens the president of exploring inc uh dave was Born in Chicago and has lived in Atlanta for the majority of his life. He moved when he was a teenager. Um, went to K- Kennesaw State for three weeks before dropping out as a freshman. Since then, he has only worked for himself. He built Exploring Inc. Uh, to the point where they've purchased... The, they're, they're comprised of six companies. Brewmark, ID3 Group, Chisel 3D, Perfect Flooring, Shellmark Carpets, and GCI Graphics. Their whole niche is they work in the live experiences market. So essentially like when the NFL is putting on a like cool Super Bowl like play 60 um, event where they have like a grid, a faux gridiron where your kids can go and run through, they might hire exploring to make that live experience happen. Um, Their big project right now is they opened up the live Hamilton exhibition in Chicago. Uh, We'll be talking about that a lot on the podcast. later on but yeah dave has a lot of interesting thoughts on entrepreneurship he teaches programs back in atlanta um again like believe strongly and just following your passion uh even with all the trials and tribulations along the way um so we talked a lot about exploring his time there uh leading up to ham x as he calls it and uh all the cool projects they've worked on taught a lot about his talked a lot about his personal life um his thoughts on entrepreneurship in school and yeah, I just asked some uh, final questions at the end that uh, just related to his, his personal advice for you know college students, people who wanting to enter the entrepreneurship field. Before we get into that, though, I'd be remiss in not mentioning all sorts of great content coming from the Powder Blue Media team. What is Powder Blue Media? Well, <laughs> we're gonna have a lot more marketing. Uh, information coming at you in the near future. I know it's been a long process. Trust me, it's it's been it's been a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You may have noticed just setting up our uh, our our team and deciding what we want to push out, what we want to do editorially. But I mean, look, 
there's a lot of stuff coming out in the near future that we couldn't be more excited for. Me personally, I have two great interviews coming out in the next two weeks that I'm excited to share with you all. But yeah, again, sorry to divert. What's happening with Powder Blue Media? Look, second episode of the Hot Take Show, you had our special guests, Peter Warren and Ben Kerwin, arguing their hot takes. Chess is a sport versus the letter C should be taken out of the alphabet, respectively. A lot of fire being flung around. We also asked the people of Chicago in the Man on the Street section, the Pulse. Andrew Fenish asked the people of Chicago, is a hot dog a sandwich? A lot of really funny answers there. Also, shout out to Drew Mera and his crew for shooting the new intro for the Hot Dick Show alongside Sam I Am's awesome track. We're probably going to be releasing the track on SoundCloud too, so you can listen to it there. Oh man, I'm, I'm, it, was, it was a great process. I'm so excited for that. Other than that, we have a weekly Game of Thrones roundtable led by Kareem Nurani uh, on Unplugged. You can log on and see that Unplugged with NGL.com. That's U-M-P-L-U-G-G-D-W-I-T-H-N-G-L. Um, and yeah, we'll be launching some new websites in the like in the coming weeks. Um, 42, look out for that as we really bump and expand that. Don't want to give anything away because it's it's honestly a really, really exciting time for us as a company. And yeah, that's where I'm at. So for now, enjoy this episode of the GL Review. Here's Dave Wallens. I'm talking with Dave Wallens, the president of Exploring Inc. Uh, Dave started the business back in, sorry, in 1999 uh, when he acquired Brewmark, a company that specialized in trade flow show flooring. Since then, Exploring has acquired four other companies that, in his words, expand our capabilities in the trade show and event marketplace with the same client base. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great, mate. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, I, I'm always just wondering because I've read up a lot on Exploring and everything you've done, and it, it's definitely like a niche market that you found and have operated in since like how how do you go about explaining what you do to most people like if i was someone right on the street how would you explain exploring well first of all uh the trade show world is a unique world unto itself and events so not a lot of people are familiar with it so it does take a little explanation but exploring is the holding company for uh, six different brands that all support the event the trade show entertainment space and so uh how we explain is very simple. We have expertise in fabrication and flooring and graphics, three-dimensional objects and water jet cutting. And when all these companies come together, we're able to do very large projects or expertise in various areas for very specific projects. So graphic is needed. We could produce a graphic. If, if a full environment is needed, we could build the entire environment. So it makes it a, a, a single point of contact for customers to make their lives easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious going forward to ask you what your favorite project you've ever worked on is and also talk more about the Hamilton Live exhibition right here in Chicago, but we'll get to all that later. Uh, For now, just starting off, um, you said it when you talked to us, you met with uh, my class, Mike Moyer's class here uh, at Northwestern. Um, You mentioned how you dropped out of Kennesaw State after three weeks. You also talked a lot about it in detail on the Shrimp Tank podcast. I was listening to that. Uh, podcast from two years ago first of all great name really respect those guys for coming up with that but um just uh walk me through the emotions and thought process and everything in between that went into that decision to drop out way back when 
you know, and when we call it dropping out, um, it was just the direction that I elected to go. So um, it wasn't necessarily that I was giving up on schooling and, and thoughts of uh, not being successful. I just thought of, I saw a path and envisioned a path where I could be much more impactful in the business community early on in my career. And I had set myself up by getting involved in business at early ages. So, you know, in my teens, I was involved in uh, in in companies that I was working for and then eventually wound up starting my own little landscape company where obviously I learned some disciplines of uh, having to meet up with customers needs and and being there and making sure we service them uh, so I started learning those those skill sets and, uh, and mindsets very early on and by the time I got through high school and college I had enough experience behind me that I felt like when given the opportunity that I was ready to move forward to handle it um, and that's where that opportunity met. And yeah, after three weeks, I realized I was putting a lot of time and effort in school in those three weeks for the results I wasn't happy with. So I decided to go out on my own and, and try it without schooling, knowing that I could always go back. And so that's the mm-hmm. path I chose. And fortunately, knock on wood, I haven't regretted it. And it's been the right path for me. Yeah, that, that leads right into my next question, which I'm curious about. How do you think things change if you decide to stick it out at Kennesaw? Do you think you end up working for a big company? Do you think you still end up working for yourself? What do you think? You know, the, the benefits of, of college is there, obviously. Um, the fact is you're, you're learning a lot of knowledge uh, that's going to prevent you from making a lot of mistakes if you don't go to college. But it also, in a secondary, maybe even more beneficial are the connections you make with other people in your class. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, absolutely. That is, that's a piece that, that, unfortunately, I don't have. So there's a connection you make in college, uh, most people do, and wind up with folks they can rely on and look to for expertise and direction all throughout their career. Uh, for me, I had to find that in different ways. So um, it, it's been a little bit more challenging, but it also uh, required me to think a little bit more on who to get involved. Also, I was always the youngest one in the environments I was in. I was 21 when I started my company, and most of the people that were in business that I was relating to are all in their thirties, forties, and some fifties. So it was also being able to learn how to relate to those folks and have a connection with them. And that's a little more challenging when you're that young, uh, cause people want to discount you pretty, uh, pretty clearly off the bat. So I had to earn that, that trust and, and build those relationships a little slower than I, than I had liked. Yeah. We talk about that a lot actually here because I'm a journalism major and the thing that's often joked about in classes, but is definitely really true, is that like you never know who's going to be the editor in chief of the New York Times one day. You never know who's going to be running this. That like that could be the person you're just going to the dining hall with that uh, you call later on and say, "Hey, remember that one time at uh, Sergeant Dining Hall?" You know. Um, but no, there's definitely that aspect I felt to college yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, and it's it's powerful when you need it. It's very powerful, and the connections and the trust that you have uh, in obviously uh, your fellow students uh, is pretty deep and they're probably going to give you the, r- the right direction and hoping that someone's going to give you the, r- the right direction. So there's a lot of benefits to those connections for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of leading off that, how do you feel about kind of these entrepreneurship classes and programs popping up at schools around the country? Now, I'm not sure if you've ever visited the garage here at Northwestern in the time you've been here, but it's kind of like a shared space incubator. And I've noticed like, those kind of shared spaces are popping up all over colleges across the country. And um, I also know when you talked to us uh, here in class, you said that you had your hand in like a 
an elementary entrepreneurship program or something, right? Uh, I do. And uh, uh, fortunately, I've been involved with watching um, entrepreneurship taught all the way at the elementary, middle, and high school level, all the way through college uh, as well. And the effect that it has on students is great. But I will say this. It's not about teaching people how to run a business because those skill sets are something that you can learn at any point in time. It's really about how you think like an entrepreneur, how we adapt um, Mm -hmm. real-world issues to uh, how we approach things, right? That's really what uh, teaching through the lens of entrepreneurship really does at all ages. Uh, The fact of actually having these incubators is good. I mean, to be honest with you, when I decided to become an entrepreneur, we were at the bottom of the spectrum. It meant you weren't a professional and you couldn't get a job anywhere else, so you had to go do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, today we're at the top of the food chain. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, and that is a powerful piece to be in. In order to be a good one, you have to have all the skill sets necessary. So you got to be a, a good finance person. You got to be a good marketing person, salesperson, uh, manager, right? So you have to get decent knowledge of all these areas to be effective. Yeah. Um, and, and that really um, puts a new light on being uh, an entrepreneur. But Getting involved in businesses and seeing them succeed, seeing them struggle, seeing them fail, those are all experiences that you have to have to work on your confidence level that you can do it because you're going to be challenged at every level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember when you came to talk to us, you said like the words entrepreneur and startup way back when were kind of like dirty words. And now that's like, those are the sexy things. Those are the things that are kind of glorified, uh, working and starting your own business and whatnot. And no, I definitely, I definitely... I uh, think that approach to teaching entrepreneurship is very valid and can be very important because like personally, I know when I like started taking these kind of classes, I was a little hesitant because uh, I would meet kids and they were like the ones teaching me that might have been they're like the teacher's assistants were in my grade. I'm like, oh, what's your like experience with entrepreneurship? And they're like, oh, I taught I took a class in high school or something. I'm like, okay, well, like I ran a t-shirt company. Does that make me like an entrepreneur, you know? But um, I do think like I, we joke a lot about uh, here, like there's like hashtag entrepreneurs, you know, there's people kind of living the lifestyle that have a startup, but then there's the people that are actually like enacting that and working on their business every day and like staying up late to make it happen. Um, right. But it, it's a really interesting culture moving forward, especially in this college scene. Um, well, I will say this, Nate, and, and to put that in a little bit of perspective, look, everybody has to start, uh, either you're going to own a business and be an entrepreneur, or you're going to mm-hmm. be a entrepreneur, right? You're going to want to own a <laughs> business, but not everybody can do it. It takes tremendous fortitude. Uh, it takes patience, commitment. It takes tremendous determination. It takes a lot of risk and guts to go do some of the things that are being done from a business mm-hmm. level. Not everybody, not everybody needs to or wants to do that. But everybody should be an entrepreneur because the one thing that entrepreneurship is really teaching you is how to bring value to whatever you're doing. And if you understand how a business operates and you understand your role within the business, then you are going to understand how best to help that company be more valuable and you yourself be valuable in the mix of that company. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be a designer, don't just get in here and just do design work. And, and work eight to five. It's about really understanding what is my what is my impact on the company by the design work I do. If I if I am a, a manager and I'm I'm bringing people up through the organization and growing it and scaling it, I'm allowing for more revenue. Right, I'm able to lower costs. I'm able to get more efficiencies. 
you have to really understand that to to make that and make yourself valuable in that entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the the qualification there. I'm definitely more articulate than mine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so kind of moving on to exploring Inc. It, it is funny you end up bringing uh, up how like the the terms entrepreneur and startup have you know that that position has moved up the food chain so much because that was my first question for you. But um, after that, you, you have said in the past that's been a hard journey. You know, for many entrepreneurs, it is. Uh, what would you say has been your biggest failure along the way? And, you know, what's, what's your best story from it? And did you, what'd you learn from it? Um, I would say the biggest failure I have is um, knowing earlier on how to develop the employees that I had. Um, we as entrepreneurs are very sidetracked with uh, taking care of customers and, and focus on generating revenue, uh, putting out problems left and right. Perhaps it's a manufacturing problem, but what happens is the development of people, uh, even though it's a desire, somewhat gets lost because of the commitments you have with other things throughout the day, mm-hmm. um, whether it be meeting a payroll or meeting up with a customer. And so uh, I wish I had uh, one of my regrets is that I wish I had better talent at developing people. And I think it could have accelerated my development and growth. Uh, but starting so young, that's one of the one of the offshoots of that and one of the negatives to it is that I had to learn how to do that. So mm-hmm. I would say that was probably one of my biggest failures. And I mean that it really has meant throughout my career that I've, uh, especially in the early side of my career that I, I hired and, um, not necessarily fire, but lost good employees that I should have never lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and I remember you said in the, the shrimp tank podcast, uh, that you did stress that how important building a healthy company culture is. And you, you quoted someone else, you tried to pass it off your own and they made fun of you for it. You said that great culture eats great strategy for lunch. Um, I remember you brought up this idea of the, the rack, the RAK. Um, I'm just curious if that's something you still employ and I'll kind of let you explain it in your own way to, uh, my listeners too. So fortunately, been able to scale the company and now have a management team in place that can help execute on the things, on the goals that we have put in place and, and some of the desires that I have. So credit goes to them, but uh, through my support and vision, it's able to be executed. And we do. We concentrate on employees. People ask me what my title is. I tell them CEO, and that's really the chief employee officer. Today, I really work. Uh, on the company, not in it. And I work on all the employees every day. I'm uh, involved with the employees to make sure that everything is going well, interact with them quite a bit, just uh, to make sure that they're happy and any issues, any questions that they have, I'm, I'm available to, to discuss them with. Um, and I have a COO who's responsible for operations. So that, that's their responsibility to build a stronger, deeper team and allow us to uh, continue to develop and grow. Mm. So, and then I have a CFO who handles the financial side. So by scaling, it's allowed me to concentrate uh, more. And then programs that we do, like the RAC, which is a random act of kindness, uh, we actually have uh, changed a name and added to it above and beyond, whatever you may refer to it as. It is employee recognition, intentional and consistent. And that's part of the issue about most entrepreneurs, when I say are committed to their employees, but when you say, hey, we're going to, uh, have an employee event once a month and then you get pulled away because clients or issues are coming up and the next thing you know you haven't had that employee event you start to become unbelievable and now employee morale starts to break down so it's as simple as that that can make the difference between 
building a good culture and not. It's that combination of, of staying committed and consistent with it uh, and staying believable to your own employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really what I've concentrated on now. So those types of programs, we have uh, scholarship programs that we do, Employee of the Year, and that's something that we've been doing for years now, and, and the benefit is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just looking at exploring your time creating it all, what would you say is the coolest project or your personal favorite project that exploring has ever took on? Uh, you know, they're all cool, Nate. I have to be <laughs> honest. Uh, um, I, I don't necessarily have one favorite. Um, they all are important. Um, in the size and scope of the projects, even though some of the projects we have right now are very large, um, that is not also an element for me to, to make a judgment on what I think is the best. Um, I like to look at it what's been challenging for the team and what they've stood up and done that I think is just miraculous uh, with the talent and, and the commitment that they've had to achieve uh, certain projects is how I benchmark it. Um, and obviously seeing clients that appreciate it and are happy with the outcome, that makes it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of building off that. Like, I mean, exploring and kind of your career were born off something that isn't exactly sexy, you know, like flooring and uh, all of everything that in between. But I mean, you found your niche and you went through it with all you had. Your company makes these amazing projects. But um, I mean, honestly, just looking around, there isn't a ton of press coverage of exploring all the time. Um, even with like this Hamilton exhibit, I read a really in depth uh, Tribune article about it that didn't even mention exploring once. So is that something you're looking for moving forward, kind of more PR, have your name out there? Do you kind of prefer to be like the hardworking, talented crew behind the physical product and kind of behind the media hubbub, if you will? Well, you know, you have to know your role, Nate, and that is the um, structure of our company. We are here to support event agencies and Mm -hmm. um, production houses, so we are not working brand side. We work with our partners. Uh, mm-hmm. In this case, we worked with IMG uh, to produce Hamilton, the uh, exhibition. Um, and we worked with David Korn's design. And they're the ones who take the credit. Uh, we executed their design, and people are going to find us, uh, trust me, through uh, publicity and the good work we do. Mm-hmm. The word through our own industry will travel very quickly, and people right. understand our, our abilities. But, you know, we don't do this for the publicity, and it's different because we don't work brand side, so I don't need... Um, to show people my design side, mm-hmm. we really don't design. We we're, we're manufacturers, and that means uh, those designers have to find us. So, um, look, it's for us. Uh, it's it's important for for the industry to know who we are. Just like our Brumart brand is kind of the uh, the brand ID in our industry. Everybody knows who we are, mm-hmm. and building a brand like that is really important. ID3 is really developing that right now and, and achieving some um, amazing results, which is getting its recognition. But it may not be something you see in the news. Now, with that said, I've been interviewed, uh, certainly our local uh, um, uh, news stations have interviewed me, and there'll be some press coming out about that I've mm-hmm. been in all of our industry pubs. So it's also about know, knowing where to do your publicity. Right, so, yeah. So the national news may not pick us up, but um, the industry pub certainly will, and that's what we're most proud of. Yeah, absolutely. And, Sorry, and look, our name is on the board, and you know, if you look closely, you'll see our fingerprint there. But uh, 
you know, the biggest satisfaction is hearing someone go through uh, a project and saying, hey, it was great. We really had a great time or it was a great, uh, it was produced well on time, on budget. Those are the things that are our accolades that we're, that we're interested in uh, most importantly. Yeah, no, for sure. I just, I, I do have to bring it up because I feel like one of the entrepreneurship buzzwords nowadays is like branding, you know, and uh, so it is interesting when there is a company that is doing all this incredible work behind the scenes. And as you said, it's more about the industry, uh, knowing the work you're putting in. Um, something else you've also said in the past uh, is that it's, it's not about buying niche companies. It's about innovating your company enough in order to differentiate yourself. Uh, kind of like with the hashtag entrepreneur joke, like we joke around a lot about how everyone has a startup nowadays, but in all seriousness, how important do you think this innovation is in the modern business world that is inundated with startups? I think it's critical. Um, you know, it's interesting after uh, years of building the company, acquiring companies, uh, somebody actually said it to me. I didn't come up with it, but they said, you know, it's interesting. You actually create the niche. You don't find a niche. Mm -hmm. And um, I found that comment very interesting to me because I never approached finding necessarily looking for the problem in the industry and, and solving it. I looked for the opportunity in the industry and created the company to support the opportunity. And, uh, and that's what worked well for me. And that way I actually created the niche in that marketplace and become, and became that player. So, uh, and that support. So it's, uh, it's an interesting approach. And, and I do see that a lot of people are obviously running to go find solutions to problems in an industry. And that's not a bad way to go if you could find a good one. Um, but it, being innovative and thinking about the opportunity and how do I create the biggest opportunity for a market uh, may be an easier path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, before we get into ha the Hamilton exhi exhibition, excuse me, and finish off with that, um, one question I was kind of wondering, because a lot of like on your website and a lot of what you talk about, um, you're very proud of, you know, your workspace and uh, being a part of the Atlanta community. All of your companies are based in Atlanta is there any reason for that? Is that just, you know, where you grew up or is, is there something more that the city means to you and exploring as a whole? Well, interestingly enough, I was born and raised in Chicago, moved to Atlanta <laughs> in 1977. Uh, my, my roots are in Chicago, uh, but my heart is, is in Atlanta. It's where I grew up. My kids are here, uh, grandkids. But the, the beauty of, of Atlanta is that it, it was a community that allowed for development and growth. Um, so I've got a lot of allegiance to it and it's, it's about to give back because I'm here. Part of the nature of a good entrepreneur is one that, you know, chases their dream. Uh, and then the purpose in life is to give it away. And that's really my belief. And I enjoy nothing more than to, um, to really part wisdom on others and help them on their journeys, uh, perhaps make their life easier and better. So I enjoy that part of it. And Atlanta is the recipient cause I live here, but I work nationwide. I'm the, uh, our foundation chair for our association, which is nationwide. Uh, I sit on several boards, uh, association boards, uh, some pay it forward association called CL Netweavers, uh, the Experiential Designers and Builders Association. So I, I, uh, although based here in Atlanta, I have a lot of interest in, in helping others, uh, outside of the Atlanta community and, and have helped families across the country, uh, with catastrophes that they've had all the way through to scholarships, uh, scholarships to universities. We work with the Fashion Institute of Technology, Bemidji State University, to name a couple, where we do specific scholarships for them. So, look, it's, uh, 
it's uh, interesting that I'm based here in Atlanta, but and they're, as I say, they're the recipient because I am here, so I have more time to provide here. But I do enjoy helping wherever it may be needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving on to the Hamilton exhibition. Obviously, this is a Let's huge landmark, <laughs> huge <laughs> landmark for your company and awesome exhibit that's uh, been garnering a lot of press right here in Chicago. Um, how did this project come out to be? Uh, were you, had you like you know seen Hamilton beforehand? Were you a big fan or did they come to you? <laughs> Um, I'm a fan, but that's not how it came to be. Um, <laughs> again, being in the industry, uh, we were invited to bid on the project. Uh, we were one of 10 companies bidding on it. Uh, we fortunately won the bid across the country. Uh, and that was the start of our, uh, moving forward with this project. Very challenging project, 18 different rooms, basically building 18 very elaborate, ex- uh, experiential environments. Uh, that led from one room to another. Um, so when you're dealing with a 30,000 square foot uh, total exhibition, you have to have the space, capabilities, and talent to support it. Uh, we did, and fortunately um, have really executed on that and built an amazing exhibition. And this is one where I would tell people it's all in the eyes of the beholder. you got to go see it to understand it mm-hmm. uh, and really critique it. And we're very, very proud of it. It's being exceptionally received. Uh, probably some of the highest quality work you're going to see in experiential fabrication. And uh, it used all of our resources from our mm-hmm. flooring group to our fabrication group to our graphics group, our three-dimensional group. Um, it required everybody's involvement for uh, close to eight months. Uh, worked on the project for uh, over well over a year and a half in the very beginning stages mm-hmm. of it. So. Uh, a major commitment, and kudos to my team who did just an outstanding job of bringing it to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that sounds like a humongous undertaking in of itself. Uh, what would you say, what was it like working with the creator of Hamilton uh, compared to other projects in the past, maybe? And uh, also, like, is there a backstory surrounding Lin-Manuel Miranda handing out donuts on the opening day of the exhibit? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't privy to that decision, but it was fun. Uh-huh. I had a good time with it, and... Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was great in doing what he did and promoting Hamilton, but also getting out there with, with the people. It was great to see. Um, and working with, you know, exceptional designers uh, is, is really a, a joy and a challenge. Um, they have their uh, idiosyncrasies. Uh, every designer does. But, you know, when you're as um, committed to uh, execution as David Corner's design was in his team, it uh, really brought out the best in us. It challenged us at every turn, but it also brought out the best in us. And, uh, you know, those are some of the joys. But, it, you know, it, it never matters who necessarily who the designer is. Um, it's, it's our obligation and, and need to execute on it. We've done work that is iconic around the country. You may have seen us at uh, Great Wolf Lodge, uh, which okay. is a project that we've done. We've done a lot of Disney play areas. We are actually doing a project now at Disney. Um, so there are some iconic headline news as a pro- as a is a set that we built a couple of years ago. So our work is all around the country and uh, Hamilton is just a great one to, to accomplish. I, I'm, I'm curious because you brought it up because I loved Great Wolf Lodge when I was a kid. Which which ones have you worked on? Uh, the one in Gurney is uh, a recent one that we worked on. The one in Minnesota, mm-hmm. Minneapolis, and the one in LaGrange, Georgia are the three when we're in the process of building one in Arizona right now, and there'll be a new one out in California. So they're they're growing and expanding, and 
were their uh, support team for the scenic side and excited for it. Okay, yeah. I, I was hoping you said the one in Pennsylvania that I attended when I was younger, but I guess <laughs> not. Um, uh, no, but hopefully <laughs> we'll touch that one at some point and, and update it. Yeah. Um, one last kind of cheat question before we wrap this whole thing up. Uh, sure. In the last five years, what would you say, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life and your career? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's an interesting question, Nate. You know, I think uh, about four years ago when I got involved with the Entrepreneurship Center at KSU and they were implementing or developing their Entrepreneurship Center, the executive director actually said the difference between uh, how we're going to do it and how everybody else is setting up these incubators and running, learning how to run a business, he's the one that actually brought to the forefront the idea of teaching people how to have the mindset of an entrepreneur first. If we can teach you how to think like an entrepreneur, then you can perform like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. We can teach you all the skill sets and you can get all the skills you need, even Google things that you don't know. But teaching you how to think is something that isn't done at any level. So that was only a short four years ago and it struck a chord with me because I personally believe that was the differentiator for me. I didn't know any better not to quit. I stayed at it and persevered a lot and uh, just never really consciously thought about that that was a, a differentiator for me. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, a learning that I would impart and think, uh, honestly, is um, something for most people to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to sneak one last one right in. Sorry about this. But um, it's completely uh, based off of uh, what you were saying. But um, kind of building off that, what advice do you say, do you think you would give a college student about to enter the quote unquote real world? And what advice do you think they should ignore? Uh, well, the first advice that I would tell you to ignore is uh, that you have to go work for somebody for 10 years before you can actually do this or for any length of time. Um, I would empower uh, students to actually gain as much experience as you are knowledge. You know, mm -hmm. you're in college learning and consuming a lot of knowledge, but apply it. And until you apply it and you start seeing the effects of applying it, for instance, you know, trying to uncover and work on a product and running into all the obstacles that you're going to do of bringing a product to market. Until you start doing it and experiencing it, you're never going to really become empowered to start that company. Mm -hmm. um, so the faster you, you keep learning your entire life, never stop learning. And the one skill set I would say that, you, that most people uh, don't think about in college is the sales side. Uh, most people don't get trained on how to sell, but yet the number one goal in all businesses is to generate revenue. Uh, so you would think that most people would concentrate on sales, but they don't. That's actually ignored in most classes that I, that I speak to. Sales, I ask that question, and very few hands ever go up. But it is the most important skill that you can learn to, as you're operating your business because communication, take the word sales out of it, but communication is needed at every touch point, whether it's to your employees, whether it's to a customer, a vendor, a banker, an investor, it doesn't matter where. If you cannot serve up your company and speak uh, and communicate effectively, then you're only going to be so good. Mm -hmm. So learning a sales and the psychology of sales and working on your sales techniques is very, very important at the very beginning, not at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, he's David Wallen, CEO of Exploring Inc. To check out Hamilton Ex Exhibition, log on at hamiltonexhibition.com. Go purchase tickets through there.
go see it in Chicago. And hey, thank you so much, Dave. This has been awesome. Nate, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it and enjoyed uh, talking to your class and hopefully uh, get to do it again. All right. Take care. Be good. That's it. That's our show. To keep up with everything Dave is doing, you can follow him on Twitter at dwallens, that's D-W-A-L-E-N-S, and log on to Exploring's website at exploring.com. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at ByNateGL. Also, the podcast network is now on Twitter. You can follow along with all of our new shows at Powder Blue Pods. That's all for this week. Until next episode, see ya. See ya.